Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. Endless Easter encouragement on this last day of the Christian church here. Before we head into Advent and our, our journey back to the manger at Bethlehem and start our review all over of who our great Savior Jesus is. But today, endless Easter encouragement with the thought that Christ the King proves total victory. God's words for us to think about today are from Paul's uh, resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians, so that chapter 15, verses 20 through 28. Words for us on the screens. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he had done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, when I was eight years old, I am pretty sure that the full meaning of Easter was lost on me. As a kid, I did not spend much time in my journey of faith and heart of faith, sitting outside the empty tomb of Jesus and pondering the why and the so what. Easter was all about Easter baskets and the Easter dinner and, and the famous family photo in front of the flowering crab tree in the backyard and then a trip into the Black Hills of South Dakota because that's where we lived and stopping at Pactola Reservoir to fish just a little bit that was Christmas or Easter and loved it. But I'm pretty sure that the full meaning of Easter was lost on this guy. I now spend more time outside the empty tomb in my faith walk pondering. Could you imagine if you were inside the tomb on Easter Sunday morning and you got to see the breath return to Jesus' lungs? You got to see Jesus sit up and the grave clothes fall away and a glorified body with the scars to prove it. And then to watch Jesus neatly fold the grave clothes and set them at the foot and at the head of where he had been lying 
with a wink, thinking, ah, the disciples will come and find this. This will be good for them. And then he walked up the steps and through the stone that the angel would eventually roll away. Wow. Did I actually see that? What just happened? Should I follow? Can I follow? And what does it mean for me in the last days of this world? Well, maybe we should start in the cemetery. That's a fun place to start, right? Let's ponder the cemetery. A cemetery is typically not a place for change, right? Some of us will be really happy, no change, right? But a cemetery is typically not a place for change. The residents of the cemetery don't get together and decide to build a new public library or start a volunteer fire department or, or even have, have a, a, week long, a weekend-long rummage sale over Labor Day. They're dead. The only thing that happens in a in cemetery is the body count. The population goes up. For you see, a cemetery is typically not a place for change. Until they, the day they sealed the, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea with the body of Jesus of Nazareth lying inside. Now, the leaders of the Jewish people did not want anything out of the ordinary happening that day. They wanted Jesus of Nazareth to be dead. They wanted the body count to go up. And to help guarantee that, they put a wax seal around the outside of the tomb so that they would at least know if any funny business happened. Now, me being me, I just think of God in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit collectively smiling at the futile efforts of the unbelieving world to squash God's plan to save it. A new cemetery, or a cemetery is typically not a place for change. But something new was about to happen that would blow the shin guards off these Roman soldiers and send a tremor through the Jewish culture and through the very heart of the Roman Empire. We're talking cemeteries. Have you ever been to Arlington National Cemetery? Raise your hand if you have been there. Okay, across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C. Arlington is one of, the, one of two cemeteries in the U.S. run by the United States Army. 639 acres, the burial sites for almost 400,000 men and women of the Army's dead with room for 85,000 more. We were there at Christmas time in 1999. We got there toward the end of the day. Snow was covering the ground, fog hung in the air. And at dusk, we made our way to the tomb of the unknown soldier to watch the changing of the guard and to hear the click of the guard's heels that just resonated across the cold and the gathering cold and darkness. And then on the way out, we drove past the eternal flame marking the gravesite of assassinated President John F. Kennedy. 
And never a more somber place or moment have I been in. It was almost as if someone took the funeral pall, the cloth that covers the casket, and put a funeral pall over the whole space. It was a place for somber meditation and reflection. And I remember thinking, only the Christian could find hope here. Do you notice the crosses on most of the tombstones? Why? Well, 2,000 years ago, in a different space, in a different place, in a different cemetery, a man sat up from the dead. And then that man stood up from the dead. And he folded the grave clothes and he looked to his father in heaven with a smile and said, Father, I'm back. I'm here to reign. What's your take on cemeteries? I had an uncle. He's now in heaven. So I have, but I had. I had an uncle who was very honest about things in life. Things like he didn't like bridges, so whenever he and my aunt would drive across the Mackinac Bridge, those five miles, she would drive and he'd lay down in the back seat. He also didn't care for cemeteries. The only time he went to a cemetery was, it was if he was presiding at the funeral of one of his members, or if one of his own loved ones had died. But he's famously known to have said, there's nothing to see there. There's never anything new to see. You see, my uncle knew by faith the only new thing that had ever happened in the cemetery. He knew the man who can alone release our hearts from sorrow, who was victorious over death, and who changed cemeteries forever. You and I know him, don't we? His name is Jesus. His name means Savior. He's the change maker in this world and the change maker of our lives. Just for the fun of it, let's start with some of the amazing things he's taught us, right? Jesus is the one who taught us to turn the other cheek. In our disputes, in our arguments, Jesus wants us to take to be the first to turn the other cheek and break the cycle of anger and hatred and violence. Jesus is the one who teaches that to lead is to serve. That's a change maker in a marriage, in a family, in a friendship, in a business partnership, where sometimes we're mired in self-serving attitudes and actions. To lead is to serve. Love your enemies. Jesus is the only teacher in the history of the world to teach that bluntly and boldly. Unconditionally love even your enemies. Pray for them. Jesus is the change maker in male-female relationships. Teaching us that to be male or female is simply God's plan for us in this world. Not one better than the other. Just different with purpose. Serving my spouse, serving my God, and in the end, serving my world. The change maker. 
But as we sit outside the empty tomb, the greatest change that Jesus ever brought to this world changed the cemetery forever. Paul told us, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. My friends, the biggest change that Jesus brought into this world was and is no fear of the cemetery, no fear of death, and a clear view of what one day will be. Jesus came back to life. He stood up from among the dead ones. And he proclaimed to his people, because I live, you also will live. And then Paul gives Jesus a rather unique title. It really comes from from Old Testament Jewish worship, but also from agriculture. He calls Jesus the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus is the first of the harvest risen to life to the glory of God, guaranteeing that the rest of the harvest will follow. Jesus is the first to rise from the dead, guaranteeing eternal life to all who believe in him as their Savior. Taking a different tack for just a moment. How do you like to read your books? You get a good book from the library, you order it from Amazon on Kindle. A little different on Kindle. There's not a jacket to that book necessarily. But get that great book. How do you read it? Raise your hand if you are one who avoids the summary on the back of the jacket or the inside cover, and you go to page one like you're supposed to, and you start reading word for word. Are you one of those people? Raise your hand. I are, yeah, or you, okay? Now, some of us in our family, it's the better half who reads differently. How many of us go to the last chapter of the book and read it first to see if the book is worth my time? A few forlorn souls, yeah. You know, when we're reading God's book, God very quickly takes us to the last chapter even as we're getting our feet wet in, the, in, the, in his story in the first verses. We're into Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and we find out, yeah, with Adam and Eve, all of us sin. And our sin brings our death. But then God very quickly in Genesis 3 jumps us to the end of the story to help us in the read of the rest of his book. He says this amazing thing which brought on the third song for today, Crushing Snake. This is God speaking to Satan, but with an earshot of Adam and Eve. Okay? I will put enmity, mutual hatred, back in against Satan between you and the woman, and between your offspring, those who follow your lead, and hers. Eve was the mother of the believers. One of hers, one of her offspring, will crush your head, destroying the evil you brought. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he crushed the serpent's head, 
He cannot accuse us of sin anymore, right? And But you will strike his heel. Now, you go to the end of the book, and the Apostle Peter talks about the fulfillment of Genesis 3. He says, Christ suffered once for sin, the righteous one for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. You see, Jesus' cross was the heel strike of the serpent. But his cross also paid for our sins and become, becomes, became the foundation for God's forgiving you and me. And the proof that sin and death will no longer separate us from our God, well, Paul picks up and says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, flipping sin and death on its head, the first fruits. Then, when he comes, those who belong to him. You see, something new happened in the cemetery. The man from heaven sat up. But maybe you're like me, and in your growing maturity, you spend more time sitting outside the empty tomb, pondering the empty tomb of your Jesus. And sometimes we can say to ourselves and to our God, Lord, I think I'm confused. You say, Jesus is Christ my King, that he defeated sin and death, and yet I'm confused as I look at the world around me. Why is it that sin and death and evil seem to be winning the day and your victory seems so distant, almost non-existent? And sometimes we may wonder to ourselves, what is God's battle plan anyway in this fight against evil? Does God have one? Well, Paul helps us out. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. My friends, Jesus is reigning now. Do we see it? He is reigning now as he completes the mission given to him by his Father in heaven. Sin and death has been conquered through Jesus' death and resurrection. But there is more kingdom work to be done before the end. Remember what our King Jesus said to us shortly before he ascended into heaven and left this world. What he said to us through the disciples. He said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Guess what? Jesus is ruling everything. That's the comfort because of what he says to go on. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching. Jesus is reigning now in the midst of the evil. Do we see it? In the midst of the evil, his church is growing, my friends. Some people who know history better than I look at the history of the world and the history of the Christian church and say to us today that right now, this day, the Christian church is growing at the fastest pace in its history. 
As the gospel of Jesus Christ bubbles beneath the surface of communist China, or grow, is, is growing by leaps and bounds in sub-Saharan Africa and places like Vietnam. And lo and behold, even here in Muskego and in Milwaukee, victory in Jesus is happening every day as people are, are being rescued by Jesus from sin and death and, and, and hell itself as Jesus saves them through faith in him as the king who gives us life eternal. But there's even more to Jesus' rule. Think of what Jesus gives us through the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6. The king says this, A man reaps what he sows. This is sowing seed. And there's always a harvest, typically, when you sow seed, right? A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Are evil men getting away with their evil? Are evil women getting away with their evil? Is there no rebuke from heaven for all of the evil that we see? Well, dear friends, in the midst of the evil, our king is on his throne. And he is saving the righteous believers, taking them safely home to heaven one by one by one. Victory. And in the midst of the evil, God's voice is not muffled. His judgment is coming, and the world knows it. They know it. And you and I might be tempted with all that we see to focus in on what our physical eyes see and for forgetting about what our spiritual eyes see and hear in the promises of Christ the King. The one who said, the one who sows to please his sinful nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us always remember that our eyes of faith always trump the eyes and ears given to us by the Creator. Let's say that again. The eyes of faith always trump the physical eyes given to us by the Creator. So as we're standing outside the empty tomb, God says to us, what do you see? Did you know that in this calendar year we have had 51 baptisms at St. Paul's and the Bridge, Muskego, Milwaukee? Did you know that? 50 plus New people, visitors to this ministry, involved in following the promise in the last year at St. Paul's and the Bridge Muskego and the Bridge Milwaukee. And if you're following along in the hard copy of the sermon, I got it wrong, not 13, but 26 of God's people safely home to heaven in the last year. Jesus' victory, one by one, by one, in the midst of visible evil. That shouldn't surprise us. Remember what Christ the King told us in Matthew 24 about the last days of the world. 
he said this, this gospel of the kingdom, you got to take note of that. We're living in a kingdom, Christ's kingdom. He's ruling right now. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come, says Christ the King. The reason why he hasn't come in the clouds yet is, guess what? People are coming to faith, being saved by Jesus Christ the King. And he's not done with his work yet through us and others in the world. So he's not going to come back till that time is done. But in the meantime, Christ the King's voice is not muffled. He's dealing with evil. Remember his promise. The one who sows to please his sinful nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit will reap the rewards, the harvest of the Spirit. Paul put it this way in our reading today. The end is coming when the reigning Jesus will hand over the kingdom of God to his Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So when you're sitting in the cemetery or standing in the cemetery, and your physical eyes see 400,000 people dead because of the evil of mankind. What do your eyes see? Do you see the last day? And do you see the resurrection to life? That's the beauty of the empty tomb. The battle belongs to the Lord. The victory is his. E3, endless Easter encouragement. I have won, and I will come for you, and I will keep you safe, says Christ the King. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we are privileged to come before you today in prayer because you are reigning over all things. You won for us the right to come before your Father's throne in prayer to him because as our King, you came into this world and suffered all the hurt and punishment, all the darkness and suffering that we should have gotten. You took on yourself on that cross and you went to hell and back for us to free us from our sin and give us life forever. And so now we can stand before you on this Christ the King Sunday and we can pray on our behalf and on behalf of the world. We ask you to forgive us that in the darkness of this world we sometimes walk without remembering to reach out and take your hand in faith. We sometimes journey through life without remembering to open our ears to hear what you're saying. We forget that you rule all things. Of all people in the world, your people do not need to be afraid. No fear of the cemetery, no fear of death. We have a clear vision of what will be one day. For you are the man from heaven who sat up from among the dead, stood up from among the dead, and then declared that one day we too will stand up from among the dead. 
And we see your reign now because you haven't come yet in the clouds. That sounds weird to the world, but when your reign is done, you'll come in the clouds. But now there's saving of people to do through the sharing of the good news of salvation through faith in you. So we thank you for the blessing that is the bridge, Muskego, the bridge, Milwaukee, St. Paul's ministry. Help us in great humility grab hold of your gospel message for ourselves and then maybe share it with the world because there's still victories happening right here in our midst. We thank you for those. We ask you to inspire us through those to keep on doing your good work. Forgive us for the days and moments when in the darkness we take our eyes off of you and focus on what's happening in the world around us so that it, so that it removes, our, removes our hope and our joy. Help us go back to your word and listen to the voice of the king and to remember the work of the king and to remember that heaven is ours and that will never be taken away. And now, Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear the prayer that your son taught us. Hear it because his blood was shed for our sin. Hear it because our, your forgiveness has opened the door for us to come to you. Hear the prayer that he taught us as we gather all of the thoughts and prayers of God's people through these seven petitions. Words on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now receive with believing hearts the blessing of your ruling king. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. And together the people of God say, Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ Sermon Podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.